Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. What do you think is the most dangerous emotion in culture right now? And what should we as Christians do about it? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Today, we're going to be talking about the most dangerous emotion in culture and what we as worship leaders can do about it. But first, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free guide, 25 Chart-Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you have a song that you've been working on with your worship team that's okay, but you wish it could be more interesting, download this free PDF and it gives you 25 great ideas for ways to make your song more interesting and keep people's interest throughout the song. It gives you a couple sentences about why that trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio where you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. With that, let's get to today's topic. Today, I want to talk about a spirit that is in culture that is absolutely corrosive to your well-being, But unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians sometimes partake of this spirit as well, and it's absolutely a deception from the devil. But before we get to that, I want to read a parable. This is in Matthew, and this is the tares and the wheat, and this helps explain what I'm talking about. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came along and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain... Then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them up but gather the wheat into my barn. So when I looked at the word tares in my Bible and went down to the footnote, it said darnel, a weed resembling wheat. And I had no idea what darnel weed was. So I looked it up and guess what I found out? Darnel weed is this weird thing. It's it's half domesticated and half undomesticated. So it actually can't live without human cultivation. It doesn't grow wild on its own. It grows in wheat fields. And it looks almost exactly like wheat, right? So, you know, when a wheat stalk comes up, it's got those sprouts coming off this way and that way and this way. Darnel is the same thing. The only way that you can tell the difference is when harvest comes, grain, wheat, has golden buds on it. Whereas darnel weed, it's black. And it's really noxious. It's actually slightly poisonous to us. And so if it gets in your grain, you know, you you grind it up, it can actually make you feel sick or slightly drunk. So that was a big problem back in the day because everybody's field had darnel along with the wheat. It wasn't until we got modern combines that could separate out darnel from the good wheat that we don't really have that problem anymore. But back in Jesus's day, it was all over the place. It was a well-known problem. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. He's this noxious, poisonous weed that's right in the middle of the good wheat. It's all over the place. But Jesus says, we're not going to rip it up. We're going to wait until harvest. Well, later on in scripture, he explains what he's talking about. Let's go down to verse 36. 
Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parables of the tares of the field, or the darnel. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus explains what that noxious darnel weed is in the middle of the good wheat. He says it's two things. One is lawless or iniquity or wickedness. And I think that makes a lot of sense for us as Christians. That, yeah, we live in a culture that has a lot of ugliness in it, a lot of wickedness in it. But the other word is stumbling block, which when you look it up in the Greek is the word scandalon. And what is that? It actually literally means bent stick. It's a snare or a trap. You know how you would bend a a sapling down and put in your snare so when an animal or a person walks through and the, the stick comes up, it trips that person or it snares up that person. So he says, watch out for iniquity and wickedness and lawlessness. But the other one is stumbling blocks or snares, or the word is offense. Hmm. That spirit of offense is what I believe is the most corrosive emotion in our culture right now. Because we live in a time of outrage. Right now, the spirit of this age is one of being offended doesn't matter what topic it is, but it seems like the world has connected their moral righteousness to how fast they can be angry about something and how deeply they can feel the injustice and say, I'm offended about X, Y, and Z. Well, it just so happens that researchers have found out that one of the emotions that travels the fastest online is outrage. So when you're scrolling through your Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know, you might stop for this or that. But if something outrages you, if someone has made some sort of tweet that brings up, hey, you should be mad about this, that is more likely to be contagious and to get sent out to cause people to take action and retweet it or send it out on Facebook, whatever it is. It's the spirit of offense and of outrage. I believe that's one of the reasons why we have such high rates of anxiety and depression in the world, is that when you take outrage and you combine that with another emotion that Satan has unleashed, and that is futility, you have a terrible cocktail. So on the one hand, you have, there's all these problems in the world, and they're all big, fat problems that can't be solved by you. You can't do anything about it. That's the futility aspect of it. When you have something that outrages you and that you're offended by, but that you can't do anything about, that is the perfect recipe for you to be depressed and anxious about your life and about the state of society. And unfortunately, Christians have succumbed to the spirit of the age because we know the truth. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of untruth out there. There's a lot of iniquity and there's a lot of things to be offended by. Plus, The people in charge of the algorithms online know that outrage travels quickly, and so they push that. They shove it in your face and say, shouldn't you feel 
an emotion about this so that you'll click on whatever it is they want you to click on. Well, how do we fight against that? How do we keep from succumbing to the age and eating that weed of offense and being angry about everything? Well, Jesus explains it in the book of John. So here's the context. Jesus has just had the Last Supper with his disciples. They're going out. He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and he's about to be handed over and crucified. Right? Each one of these men, Jesus included, is about to feel the most intense emotions of their life. This man that they spent three years with, eating, drinking, walking around, ministering with, is about to be crucified. And they don't understand it. They won't understand it until he rises again. So it's about to get really, really, really intense. And Jesus harps on three things that they have to remember. He, all through John 14, 15, and 16, and 17, he's talking about three things. So we're going to read a lot of verses really rapid fire, but see if you can figure out what's coming through. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. John 15, 10, and 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Those things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. John 16, 22. Therefore you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. John 16, 27. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I have come forth from the Father. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. John 16, 24. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. John 17, 13, and this is Jesus speaking to the Father. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. John 17, 26. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. With the little time that he had, Jesus focused on three things that he wanted his disciples to remember. Love, joy, and peace. The first three fruits of the Spirit. It helps to take these terms and make them a little bit more scientific, so I'm going to use the definitions that Dr. Jim Wilder uses. He's a neurotheologian that has studied what the emotions of the Bible look like in scientific speak, and here's how he defines these three. Love is secure attachment. Right? So if you were reading the word love and you take it out and you put in attachment, it sometimes actually makes a little bit more sense. God, I am attached to you, Jesus speaking to the Father, that they attach to me and I and you and I and them. That attachment that nothing can break, that's what he's talking about when he says love. Joy. Joy is the act of being glad to be with someone. It's not just happiness or pleasure because, you know, you can be happy reading a good book by yourself, but joy is being with someone and being glad to be with someone. And that's what Jesus talks about. Finally, peace. Peace is calming rest. In our lives, we are always needing to alternate between joy and peace. We need those moments where we're uplifted and we're happy to be with someone, 
But it's also really good to be with someone and not have to say anything, but have times of calming rest. Our body needs both of those things. And of course, Jesus knew that. So what does he tell his disciples? These three things you must keep hold of because you're about to go through a really intense time and you're going to feel a lot of feelings. Love, joy, peace are the most important thing. Well, look at what happens right after Jesus tells the disciples all of this and prays to the Father. Here comes Judas. Judas comes, betrays him with a kiss, and who responds first? Of course, it's Peter. And Peter responds in outrage. He takes out his sword and he hacks off an ear. And you can understand why he would do that, because they're taking away his Messiah, the the man he loves, and he swore that he would defend him. And what does he do? He, he responds with that outrage. Well, Jesus puts the ear back on and says, Peter, no, it's not the time. God gave me this cup to drink. Shall I not drink it? Again, Jesus, love, joy, peace. Those are what you need right now to get you through this tough time. That's what I believe we're supposed to use to combat the spirit of the age, which is offense. As Christians, God planted us in this field, right? And right next to us, there is a lot of iniquity and there are a lot of stumbling blocks. There are a lot of reasons to be offended. And yet, God expects us, rather than spending all of our time trying to uproot the iniquity or praying that he would do that, he doesn't do that. Instead, God expects us to grow to maturity and bear fruit in the middle of iniquity and offense. Wow. So here's your litmus test. If you're online or if you're talking to someone and there is an offense, if there's a a legitimate reason why you might be offended, right, at iniquity or unrighteousness or injustice or whatever it is, remember that Jesus gave us three emotions that we must keep, three fruits of the Spirit, that that's how we know if those emotions are godly. If you're feeling an offense and you're not also feeling love, joy, and peace— well, then you probably know that you need to jettison that and get back to the fruits of the Spirit. It says in the Bible, in your anger, do not sin. It's not that anger is sin. It's in that in your anger, we don't sin. There are plenty of reasons to be offended right now. But love, joy, peace. So this video is for worship leaders. How does this affect a worship leader? Well, When you choose your songs and the spirit in which you decide to lead must be bound up in love, in joy, and in peace. Don't get mopey. Don't get offended. Don't get heavy because that's exactly what Satan wants. Satan so desperately wants by putting those tares in the field to get us to have those degrading emotions which weigh us down, that anxiety, that depression, all of it. Instead, we respond to the spirit of the age like Jesus told us to. Love, joy, peace. Remember, secure attachment. Stay with me. Joy. Remember that you can always be happy to be with me because I'm always happy to be with you. And peace. Enjoy the calming rest that comes from knowing that you're with Jesus. God's not going to take us out of the field, and he's not going to rip out the tares either. Instead, He expects us to bear fruit. Hey, I hope that video helps you. And again, if you need help with your arrangements, go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.